Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is Robina Richie Barker and Scott Barker from the Sync Music Management app, TrackStage. First of all, most songwriters have been complaining about streaming royalties, or actually how little they're making from streaming royalties, and that applies to pretty much everybody except for maybe the top 0.1% in the business, superstars, because they're doing pretty well. Well, back in November, Tidal, the high-end streaming service, launched what's known as fan-centric royalties and direct-to-artist payout. So just to understand what fan-centric royalties is, the way it works now on a streaming service like Spotify is that all the money for the month gets put into a big pot. And whoever has the most streams or the biggest market share will get paid more per stream than everybody else. So like I say, if you happen to be a superstar, that's really good for you. And if you're an indie artist, then not so much. So fan-centric royalties works like this. If you were to listen to Drake for most of the month, your 1099 or 1999, the whole thing is going to go to Drake. So this seems like it's a really good idea. Well, Tidal tried it, and then even UMG, Universal Music Group, partnered with Tidal in January. Only 10% of the money went to this program, though. So it was $2 of the $20 monthly subscription fee, and that went to your top streamed artist per month. So in other words, regardless of how many artists you listen to, the one that you listen to the most was going to get that $2. Turns out there were 70,000 artists that were enrolled, but they each got paid only $7.14. It turns out they're actually paid worse than before. Now, maybe this is because Tidal doesn't have that many users, only has 2% of the market, but it could be maybe this isn't such a good deal. Deezer now wants to implement this program, only they're going to use a more proportionate way of doing things. So in other words, if you listen to Beyonce for 60% of the time and Arcade Fire for 40% of the time, Beyonce is going to get 60% of your subscription fee or 60% of your $10, while Arcade Fire is going to get 40%, and et cetera, et cetera. If you listen to five artists, it's going to be proportionally paid out the way you listen to it. UMG again has signed on to this. So now we're going to find out once and for all whether this is actually going to be a good deal for artists or not. Many have been saying for a while now that user-centric royalties seem like a great idea, but it could work out worse for indie artists since even more money will end up going to the top 0.1%. The title experiment seemed to show that that was true, but now we'll be able to verify that with the new Deezer deal. No word on when it will begin though, but I'll let you know as I hear. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that the fifth edition of my Mixing Engineer's Handbook is now available. It's totally updated and includes new sections on mixing and immersive audio, self-mastering, new mixer interviews, and much more. Get your copy at a special discounted price at bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. That's bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. And remember, you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news 
and you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. Now let's talk about one of the most important purchases that you'll ever make for your studio, and that's studio furniture. Most likely, once you buy something, you're going to be using it for most of your working life. And this was actually kind of brought home to me recently, where I was looking for a new studio chair, and I was looking for a big, plush executive chair that would be very quiet and would work in the studio. So I put that up on a private forum asking for recommendations, and I got a whole lot of pushback from people saying, well, that's not really gear. Then I pushed back and said, well, yeah, maybe it's not gear. Maybe it's not electronic by nature. But if your back hurts, you're surely going to take a lot of time getting a new chair. So it's pretty important. Now, the same thing goes for desks. They used to be custom made. And the one I have right now, I think I got it made about 20 years ago. And it was custom made. It seemed expensive at the time. Maybe not in today's dollars, though. Now you can actually get them off the shelf. Companies like RAB and Gator Frameworks, Argosy, Ultimate Support, Middle Atlantic, Sterling, they all make really nice desks that are off the shelf. There's a company called Teenage Engineering out of Sweden, though, and they're more known for their modular synthesizers and wireless gear, but they recently came out with something called the Field Desk. And this is actually something more like a table. <laughs> There's not much to it. It just looks like a regular table. Now, it's constructed from recycled aluminum, and it's really pretty space-age. And actually, the top is made out of double-sided formica birch plywood. And that means if you're using the top and one side wears out, you can flip it over and actually have twice the lifetime on it. However, for what seems like a table, it's $15.99, so that's really expensive. However, when you begin to look at it, you find that you can easily spend that in a chair and way more. And when you look at the off-the-shelf desks that you can buy from the companies that I just mentioned, most of them are over about $3,000. On one hand, you can buy something similar to the field desk for a lot less money that even has a tier you can place your video monitor and speakers on. That means it's worth it to spend some time researching studio furniture before you buy it because chances are you're going to be using it for a really long time. My guest this week is Rabina Ritchie Barker and Scott Barker, whose TrackStage catalog management app is taking the sync world by storm. TrackStage not only helps you get your songs and cutdowns get organized in one place, but it helps you keep track of contacts, split sheets, licenses, reversion dates, pitches, and deadlines, Plus, it manages your important metadata as well. The app lets you spend time creating and less time administrating the business side of your sync music career while helping you get better at the job at the same time. During the interview, we spoke about the frustrations with the many sync tasks that was the genesis for TrackStage, how difficult it is keeping on top of all the admin work involved with sync, targeting and pitching publishers, and much more. I spoke with Rubina and Scott via Zoom from their office in Vancouver. Rubina, first with you, I'd like to know a little bit about your background before you got to what we're going to talk about, the main thing we're going to talk about. 
Oh, boy, it's been a long and winding road, I'll tell you. Um, my my background has been pretty much everywhere. Uh, I was born into a very musical family and uh, a very successful classical musicians. And I decided very quickly that music was the last thing I wanted to do, because uh, I certainly did want to be in that world. So I instead pursued the arts through uh, theater, through acting, and uh, had a little bit of fun in, in, in L.A. in the 80s and 90s uh, as an actor, professional actor. And then uh, I moved on from there, ran my own, a few of my own companies um, in pet care, ran a dog daycare for hundreds of dogs, uh, owned a pet collar manufacturing business, did all sorts of things, worked in banking. I worked in pretty much everything except for food, which is surprising. I've never been a waiter, but uh, in pretty much any other industry, yeah, you can count me there. And I also studied um, web design and uh, and all things internet uh, when I first moved up uh, back here to Vancouver. And from there, I've just, this everything's kind of come together and I'm, I'm doing a bit of everything right now with uh, with music and with software and so on and so forth. Yes, you're back in music. <laughs> well, this is the thing, you know. I I had been uh, I had been like I said, I'm running this dog daycare, and I sold it, and I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And I decided, you know, I'm I have grown up enough that I can go ahead and follow a passion, and even though I'd never pursued music professionally, I had always pursued it emotionally. So I wrote my own music. Uh, I, I would keyboards and I, and, and I was writing all sorts of, of stuff that for the life of me, I had, I never shared with anybody. I, I literally thought, okay, this it's, it's certainly not to not going to match the, the leagues of, of the composers that my parents have, have uh, always been working with. And uh, it was not rock. It wasn't pop. I, you know, I didn't sing. So I always thought it was just going to be for my, my ears. That was it. It was just going to, this is just my hobby. And it was a quiet hobby. And then uh, after I sold my business, I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And I thought, you know what? Let's play with the music. It's been a long time. Let's go back and 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 experience that. We've got I've got a little bit of time just to to have some fun. So I really dived in and I brought you know dusted off the old floppy drive of my of my MIDI uh, pieces, and I started uh, learning Cubase and started uh, learning all about mixing. Started uh, really developing those talents, those skills, and having an absolute blast. Still didn't really take it very seriously until I, um, literally, I learned about sync music. And I, I thought, well, well, wait a minute, this is exactly the kind of stuff that I write. You know, the the, the backgrounds or the the moody music, these inter- instrumentals. And, and I thought, oh my God, can I actually, can I actually have a career? <laughs> you know, I could actually do this. And uh, so my, my brain kind of shifted and I really came back into music. And really started focusing on that that world again. We'll get to track stage in a second, but <laughs> let's go to Scott. So, Scott, some of your background. How did you get here? So, uh, yes, I have a, a musical family and background as well, but I didn't really turn out to be that musician. Um, and ended up going to university, becoming a software developer. I worked in a company in finance and then legal for a while, and then uh, went out on my own pretty quickly. And I've been a consultant pretty much ever since. Um, tourism legal, remote conveyancing, things like that. But all of it went towards web development. Um, it's just where the world went. Now, I, 
I'm, I'm old enough, I guess, to be able to remember some very antiquated versions of computers and things like that. But it, it quickly, as a consultant, became web development. And um, I, I do enjoy that a lot. I like building something that um, really came out of nothing and, uh, and then provided out there as a service. You know, for me, music is like serving. Uh, so is developing software. You're, you're putting something out there and people get to use it. If I can make money out of that, that's even better. <laughs> Um, and then how did I get here? Well, uh, Rabina and I met our, our paths crossed. We got back together. And then back together? Uh, after high school. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was working towards NSYNC, uh, you know, and putting her stuff out there. Became very frustrated with the hodgepodge of, and patchwork of things that people try to do in sync music, sync musicians to try to get by. Um, and there's soup to nuts out there, lots of different ideas, and they're all different. And everybody has the same kind of pain trying to figure out how to keep themselves coordinated and, and working towards business. And she's the one that came to me and goes, hey, come on, you got to be able to do something here, buddy. You're a software developer. And um, that's how we got to track stage, I suppose, because we saw this, uh, well, I'm going to say Rubina saw this as a vision as there's got to be a way to make a, a one-stop shop, a place where you can put all of these things, all of these different things that you have to deal with on the business side as a musician, and maybe have it not kill you so badly. You know, it's just very difficult. And so that's that's where we're moving, um, is in that direction to make a one-stop place to be organized. Um, it's, it's hard, I think, just looking in from the outside to be a musician and work on all of that and what that entails and then try to deal with all of these details on the business side. So we're looking to help from that perspective on the business side to be organized, to be professional. So that's how we started uh, TrackStage. So I watched a video where you explained how you got to TrackStage and your frustrations. And it was really good. I enjoyed it and explained it very well. So why don't you give us a synopsis well, sure. I, uh, as I said, I've just gotten to that point where I was so excited about uh, being in music and actually potentially having uh, options. And I, I took uh, took a couple courses uh, and started to see how I could start to focus uh, my talents and start to actually maybe get some traction out there. And so I, you know, I did, I started submitting to, to opportunities. I, I released my first EP, which was really exciting for me, uh, legitimizing myself. <laughs> and I, I, as I started to pursue the sync, uh, I started to realize very quickly, uh, I, my, my, my business brain just kind of exploded because I couldn't find a single tool to help me. When I say single tool, there are plenty of tools. There are lots of them, and that's part of the problem. I had to to try to, to stay on top of all of the stuff I needed to do for my music, from development all the way to pitching and 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 pursuing sync. There were so many different tools that I needed to use to be able to stay on top of everything. I mean, I had all of these folders with all of my different versions and some, you know, some of them had metadata, some of them didn't. I had to learn about metadata. You know, I had to learn about all of that. And so I had all of these folders with all sorts of stuff in there, um, trying to figure out how to, to organize them. What stage of development are they in? And then in the pitching side, I had spreadsheets and, uh, you know, which I, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I, I can do Excel. I, I hate Excel. I hate spreadsheets. It's so not 
creative for me. It doesn't fit my brain set. And so um, I kind of hodgepodge together my own personal suite of tools to try to make, um, to try to give myself a platform in which I could stay on top of all of the business details. I could stay on top of these tracks had artwork, these tracks had tagged metadata. These are the places that I pitched these things. And I basically took a, a CRM software and I kind of Frankenstein it together. I, I put all of these, um, I, I created <laughs> these different stages for the different stages of development. So I knew that I wouldn't forget anything in, in my mixing or in my mastering, or I would be able to know where uh, this particular song was in 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 its uh, production lifestyle or uh, lifeline. And I got uh, very quickly <laughs> overwhelmed and as organized as I could be in this massive different tools when the software did an update and I lost all of the tags that I had been using. Oh, the tags were still in there, but I could no longer copy those tags and paste them into the different places that I needed to be able to do that. And and I kind of short-circuited at that point. I had been um, working so hard to try to support this new dream and uh, the tools just were falling short. And I had like seven different subscriptions. I had to have a Dropbox subscription. I had to have Excel. I had to have this CRM. I had to use, I was using a, like a, a Trello-like board. I had all these different tools and none of them actually were specific to music. None of them were specific to sync music. And um, so I, I definitely noticed a big gap in here and and making something up on my own only to have it fail when they decided to, you know, do an update that made sense for their audience, which was not musicians, but did not make any sense for the musician and me who needed to be able to copy and paste my metadata very easily. So that is where, you know, TrackStage kind of came into being. Scott had always been, you know, tinkering in, in different software things. He always wanted to, to create an app uh, of some kind. It was always like, well, what app should this be? What app should, what, what app should we create? And he helped me with the dog daycare stuff. And we created some really interesting things. But believe me, when that software went sideways on me, when that program stopped allowing me to link my freaking tags, I, I went to Scott and I said, this, 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 I need, please, can you give me this? I need this so that I can be a musician, <laughs> so that I can do this and be able to be on top of what I'm trying to create here. So that was the genesis, utter frustration. And track stage came to being. It started, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, let's go over to Scott. Okay, so when it came to building this app, there's a lot of moving parts mm. that are required. Was this something different than you've encountered in the past or was it more of the same, just different labels? An integration platform. I mean, if there's something you look at that gets repeated in software, it's that, that there are sometimes tools that can or can't be used, but there's, there's no connection between the two of them. Um, so, you know, there's something that'll write metadata and there's maybe there's something that was sort of CRM. Um, it's so you're, it's like a, a vertical app. You're looking at a market and you see, oh, here's the niche. And the niches, sync musicians are not only confustigated, but what they're trying to do, they just can't do it. There isn't enough time because it's too inefficient. So that's what I saw with what Rubino was going through. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of emotion, emotion there. You can hear it. 
But, uh, and it's possible. It was definitely possible to say all of these moving parts actually can be made into a, a focus tool, a vertical app that will cover what sync musicians are trying to do. And we do have a, a broader vision that we look to roll out later that goes beyond sync musicians to some extent. But to bring it all together where you can have the development side and be business oriented there, see what stages of development you're on and have it joined to your actual production catalog and then be able to, in that catalog, handle doing the metadata work, getting the your tax track, your, your tracks tag um, properly before you send them out. If there's something that I've learned in the last couple of years here, either from you know, friends, compadres in the industry or going to conferences, it's the same thing as, you know, you got to be organized and you got to do it right. If you don't do it right, you and you blow something up when you got your, when the door starts to open, the door closes and they move on. And so that's what we're, we're looking to try to really support sync musicians is from that perspective to cover off all the things that they should do right, have their ducks in a row. Is everything been cleared? All the rest of the the, the problems that you hear about in this industry, that's what we're here for, is to support people that way. So that's where we decided we could actually take what that kind of tool did and that kind of tool did and consolidate them, create an integrated platform that they would be able to work with and not make those mistakes. Because we we learned that when you make one or two of those mistakes and they the, they move on past you, it's really hard to get them to come back around again. But in the other direction, if you do it right that the first time on, they're probably going to come back to you. There's a good chance that they will come back to you because, oh, that guy's, that person has got themselves organized and they're reliable. And now I'm in a time crunch and I need something over the weekend or I need it in a week. I'm going to actually go back to this person. So that's where we're trying to support people moving forward with their sync careers. Did the vision change from when you started to where it is now? Yeah, I, I think it it got more focused. Uh, the stuff I was just speaking of now is what we've really learned is that you really got to be smart up front. You got to be business-like up front. And that became much more of a focus is how can we support that? Because that's our goal. Rabin and I have the same goal. It's um, we want to build a community. And in this software tool, we can have that community. And, and if we support the people and they can start supporting each other, we have some exciting ideas uh, for community. But in order to get them uh, through these doors where they start to ramp up and, and have successes, they need to do it right the first time. So that's what we've really been focusing is to try to put the things in place that give them the best opportunities, the best chances for success. I just saw something this morning. I forget where it was, but anyway, it, it was talking about what a sync musician might use ChatGPT for in the future. And there were a couple of things. The first one was, well, how about generating the tags for me? Yeah, generating the tags, for sure. Because that confounds a lot of musicians. Like, what? well, it's sort of this, it's sort of that. And if you had something that did it, that would be good. The other thing was to generate the different cuts for them. So say, I, I need one at 60 seconds, 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds, 5 seconds. And we just go in and do it. Yeah, no, that can, yeah, I can see just because that saves time. Uh, you know, some you, when you're a musician, you're so focused on the creative process, and that's where you want to spend your time. You mm-hmm. want to spend your time, you know, making your magic. You want to spend your time perfecting your 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 skills, your talents, and creating something that that is is very meaningful and is is high quality. 
you don't want to spend time, you know, coming up with metadata. You don't want to spend your time doing all of the crossing all of the T's and dotting all of the I's. And, and so it's very easy to put that stuff off. It's very easy for that to become what you procrastinate on and you don't get it done. And then an opportunity comes up that you have to move really fast on. And if you haven't crossed those T's and dotted those I's, suddenly you're at risk of that, all that work that you put into, into that, that piece of, of, of music losing its potential right out the starting gate because you weren't able to act quickly on it. So, you know, the t- as technology grows and it helps take care of the the boring stuff, the stuff that is not the creative stuff. You know, we, we want to make the administration as easy as possible so it becomes part of the workflow. It becomes that thing you just do at the end and then you are ready and your your music is ready and now it can it has a much greater chance of hitting its potential. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not just sitting on your hard drive, untagged or unready for the world. Okay, so that leads me to believe that then you, the music- musician, the songwriter, is being prompted all the way through. Did you do this? Is this complete? Exactly, and and that actually really hits upon what we've done in our one of our modules is the creative projects module, and it we have we have taken all all of the different tasks that are associated which with each stage whether it is right from the composition through the arranging through editing mixing mastering and also the 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 versioning and the administrative stuff all of these things and you know it's completely customizable because everybody's got their own workflow but at least it puts it in an, into an order that you actually make sure you haven't missed that especially on those areas that may, you know, everybody's got their strengths. Some people, you know, are never going to, they don't have to think, you don't have to think when you're, when you're mixing and, 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 and mastering, but that kind of stuff you don't have to think about, but maybe when you're dealing with the admin stuff, when you're dealing, you, you've forgotten, oh, did I get those cut downs done? It's, these are tasks that are just built right into the system. So you never, you always know what you have got done. Well, let's talk about the various modules that you have. So what would be the first thing that someone sees coming in? Uh, Well, the first thing they they might see, uh, well, aside from the installation process, we have uh, the the primary module is the catalog module. So this is where you have all of your completed tracks. These are not the tracks that are in progress. These are your completed, fully mixed, mastered, ready to to get out there tracks uh, that are on your hard drive. Uh, so the, the, one of the cool things that the catalog does is it actually, it syncs with the, the audio files on your hard drive. Yeah. So you, you, it's not a, you don't have to manually enter. You know what tracks you have got. Automatically, you drag them into that folder, they show up into the ca- in the catalog. So from there, in the catalog, you have all of the information um, in tabs that you need to assign to each track. So... And to jump in, it pulls yeah. in all the metadata that's in those tracks. So if you've already done your work, it's going to pull that metadata in for you. So automatically and, and put it into the system, which is yeah. on, onboarding is a big thing. And this, is, yeah. again, this is one of the tools. Let's make it as efficient and automated as possible. So it, it, the, those tracks have come in with any existing metadata that they already have. Anything that you haven't got on there or, or these are brand new tracks that don't have any metadata, we, this is, you can go right into your catalog. The catalog module has tabs. 
and the tabs have different segments of, of information to fill out. It'll tell you what metadata is critical. So as far as the Music Supervisors Guild and what the professionals need to see, we have a section that is, this is critical. You need to make sure that all of these fields are, are filled out at a minimum. And then you've got all of the other information that you might want to have in there. So if you have, you know, if you copyright your songs, you can you can put down your registration date. You've got artwork, you, you, you can attach it there. If you like to, if you want to always give credit to the artist who made the artwork, you can have your own custom field to say, okay, this is always going to show up on my metadata. So you can put all of this, uh, you fill all of this information out, you see all the blanks. And, and so it does prompt you though. It, it's yeah. Like you said, there's always uh, icons that say, yeah, this one's critical, or this one's really good to have, especially for libraries. This stuff here, it's just, it's an additional stuff for custom that you might want to put, but you, you sort of get prodded along as you go. And then what you do when you're automated yeah. is, is you link um, what you would call a primary track to all of the other mm -hmm. suite of tracks. You have your cut downs, your stems, your alternates, and they're all grouped together and they work nicely like that. And then you can actually, the system will automate and you can do the work on the primary. And then you can tell the system will let you select from the primary and then it'll replicate that data for you automatically onto all the other tracks that, you, yeah. that you've selected. So you only have to enter that information once. Yeah. And th th beyond just simple uh, uh, text fields in here or just informational fields, we also have tabs that are specific to the splits. So right attached to the song, to the metadata, you're going to have the splits that you, your, your shares that you've done with your collaborators. You're going to have any publishers splits. You're going to have the master rights ownership all of that, you know, you just click on this track, you open up that tab and that information is there. You can attach the, the split sheets, you can attach the contract. So everything is in one place. You don't now, you know, it's as opposed to before where I, I like, okay, I, I would go to a program where my splits were or a website mm -hmm. where my splits were and okay, but then I'd have the contract sitting somewhere on my hard drive or okay, but but now over here, I've got, uh, you know, I'm using a different metadata tagger that I, uh, you know, I'm going over to these as well. All of this, is together. And as Scott said, once you've finished filling out that full mix information, you pick all of the other audio files that are that are the different versions of that primary track, you link them together, you copy all that data with a click to all of the other all of the other tracks. So you don't have to, you know, and, and copy then, paste, copy paste, copy paste. So then to finalize the process, you select those files and you tag the tracks. So then all of that data that's been replicated for you then gets written right down onto the hard drive in the metadata extensively. We don't just do, you know, little the iTunes kind of stuff. We do all of it, um, including all those that publishing information, all the rights that are in they're in there. Um, and we make good use of the lyrics as an additional place to put a whole bunch, bunch of stuff. Of, yeah, all of your keywords. And all your keywords yeah. and moods and everything is in place and boom. It, but the, here's an important point. Now, this is your catalog and it's on your hard drive or on your, you've got an extended drive, whatever it is you're using or using Dropbox, doesn't matter. But you've now organized yourself and it's all on there. It's your point of truth, your source of truth. You've got everything right. We put and stuff in up place. into one service or another service, we won't mention names. But what happens at that point is, well, wait a minute, did I put the publishing stuff in there or didn't I? Um, well, I can't remember. Well, wait a minute, that version I did in February, but this is now June. I, I can't, I'm really confused. Whereas if you're using TrackStage, uh, it's synchronized to your disk. Your disk has all of the information. So when you want to start pitching or passing things around from there, you know that it's you've done me. your work and you're, yeah. 
everything's put to bed and ready to go. Remember we talked about, we talked about not making those mistakes, the mistakes that cause you to the publishers or the supervisors to move on because, you know, you just don't have your ducks in a row. You don't know if the songs are clear. And, and so, and, and so to, this is this is what we're after is making you in control of your of your catalog and how you can move from that. Go ahead. And what what uh, just to, to to piggyback on what Scott's saying here, um, there are lots of services where you upload to do the tagging. So that tagging can happen in a library, or that ha- that tagging can happen in Disco, or that tagging can happen in an online metadata tagger. Well, okay, so you've uploaded your file, and then you have to download the tagged version. So. You've got two files now. So which one is the one with the metadata? Which one is the one without the metadata? If you start from your hard drive and your metadata is on that track right from the get-go, you can send that to Disco. You can send that to libraries. You can send that to whatever service or publisher or music supervisor or other contact. And it's got all the same information. You don't, you're not worried about having sending them the wrong one. And the catalog also warns you, if you do updates to your tracks and you haven't tagged it to the audio files on your hard drive, you get a warning. So if you've updated some information, you're never going to know that you're never going to pitch that from from, from your catalog without being aware that that, that audio file has not been updated yet. You have to, you have to finish the tag files. So we, we want to make sure that people have full confidence no waking up in the middle of the night wondering, oh my God, did I remember to put the the group the the the, the uh, publishing information, or did I remember to put the splits on, or did I? Is there even metadata on that track I just sent? Oops! Never having those oops moments, so you can look as professional as your music already sounds. So if we take a step back, Bobby, um, that's catalog, and mm-hmm. and all of the pieces that that entails, and it's a huge part of having your your business side organized sort of in front of it or preface to that is development or creative projects. The creative projects where Rubina touched on already mm-hmm. is another major module where you, you're working on your, the, the songs and the tracks you're working on that you're under development. The unfinished catalog is finished. And now we're, we're getting super close uh, to launching um, what we're calling uh, targeting and pitching. And that's where you take your catalog and you pitch it uh, and you can send it out a, a variety of ways in, in targeting and pitching, targeting helps you do your record <laughs> the information, do your homework. Research, and, research, research. You know, instead I, of just yeah. buckshot sending your, your your tracks out and then wondering why you're not getting any traction, you know, people aren't, you know, you're not getting your licensing. You're not, yeah. you're not even getting response. You're not building any, any, you know, connections of value because you're just sending them stuff they don't need. Well, the targeting module really helps with, with, with focused fields to fill out how to do your homework so that you really yeah. start to dive into focusing on what that target needs. So you're sending them only the tracks that make sense to them. They're going to have a lot more confidence that you're a professional when you do that. And the way that works is um, you're putting in this research, you maybe put in a brief or you put in a library or something, I put in a brief and it says, well, it wants this kind of mood or this kind of genre. And what we do is in the targeting, it matches the two and goes, wait a minute, you know what, uh, Scott, you've got all of these songs that are of that genre that kind of fit. You're like, yeah, I knew that. Just you're helping me see the ones that you want. You're like, yeah, okay, then let's take that one and these 12 and let's pitch those. We'll send them out to them right now. How are you going to send them? Well, you can do it manually if you've got some kind of physical contact or you can send them an email, which gives them a share link, or you can just uh, take the link and, and send it off at an email. But And then what happens is then 
you follow the same process that you see other do and people do when they pitch. Now they get to listen to your song. And so we're, we're coming up with uh, ways to help clarify, you know, what does this soup look for, you know, and what is he after? What's this library that I'm thinking about going, what are they after? And, and then you can find the songs that I mean, and then you can post them or pitch them if you want to send them messages to get them going. Or you can just do a quick pitch, quick pitch you know, you get past the, where the door's open and people are coming back to you and say, well, Scott, have you got something like this? You can just look at your catalogs. Well, I remember you find them just on the other side and do a quick pitch and just fire that thing over at them just right away because your catalog is ready to go. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Okay. Is there anything else? Is there another big benefit? Oh, yeah. Well, the, we also have the, we have a dashboard that is also, it helps you see just an overview instantly of where all of your products or projects in development are. So you can see if, okay, you know what? Uh, I have like seven tracks that are just almost across the finish line. They're not, you know, they're not just in the early stages. You know that you can capitalize on those, get those out the door faster. So you can add to your catalog. So you're literally giving yourself more tracks that you're available to get out there and have and better your chances of, of getting those, those syncs. Also, what um, in this targeting and pitching module, one of the things that we've added is a the ability through through when you send to a contact, when you send your playlist or when you send your tracks, you're going to be able to see when those emails are opened. You're going to be able to see when the playlist is accessed. You're going to be able to see when individual tracks have been listened to. And you'll get um, you'll get a, a reminder when it's time to follow up with that contact to make sure that uh, that that you're you're building that relationship. We want to take a lot of the think work out of building your relationships, out of building, out of being a professional. We want you to focus your time on writing the music because that's what you do the best, right? So you know you focus on that, and we just try to take care of the rest. Yeah, the I guess Bobby, the other option would be that we haven't talked about sort of the best supporting actor role, which is the context module. So the context module is like any context module where you can you can import and then edit and update the context you have in the system. And that's what you use as a resource when you're sending stuff up or you're making calls. You can send things out in emails. We have a contact module that you're going to put your stable of, of people out in the real world you want to go after. So that's the supporting role of the context module. And like Rabina said, um, your dashboard all of a sudden will say, hey, we just had an update. This particular track has been listened to. Or, hey. On the creative side, you're collaborating with uh, Jane Brooks, and she's done an update because you can collaborate together on the creative side um, and have a shared Trello where you're working on a, a project together. She's and she submitted a new uh, new version of of the track part that she's working on. So it's that part is actually quite cool. We've we've released that uh, I guess Happy New Year at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and um, so for sure you can ask for. Yeah, a person, Bob, do you want to collaborate with us on this? And we send you an invite. Then all of a sudden on your Trello board in, in track stage, boom, up comes the same project that we're working on. And you can file transfer back and forth. You need to move files. Hey, I worked on this. How does this sound? What do you think? Is this too kitschy? Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do updates on, oh, okay, I finished the lyrics. What do you think of this? And sign tasks okay. to each other. Yeah. And back and forth. So it's we're again, community. We're looking to create community here. Where can people find this and what does it cost? Okay. Well, you can find it through mytrackstage.com. Uh, that's T-R-A-C-K 
S-T-A-G. So it's like backstage, but track stage. And um, it costs $26 on a monthly payment or $22 per month if you buy annually. Very reasonable for what it is, that's for sure. And it's going to continue to grow. We've, we're, we're going to be adding uh, licensing in there uh, as well so that you can track your royalties. Uh, there's, that's just the beginning. So, And we're going to have a whole um, goal-seeking uh, so that you can set your, your own mission statement, per se, and, and really focus on, on what, where, what you want to achieve and, and keep track of how close you're getting to those goals. Really, we, like I said, we just want to make the the back end of it kind of fun, you know, not not just the drudgery of an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, Rubina tries to be humorous with some of her props, which is good because some of the stuff is kind of boring. So <laughs> we keep it light. All right, last question. Then let's start yeah. with you, Scott. What's the best piece of advice that maybe you learned along the way or somebody imparted to you? Wow, let's see. I've gotten a lot of good pieces of advice. On, from this vantage point, it would have to be that um, your music isn't precious. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and just because someone didn't choose it, it doesn't mean that that it was poor. And you should just get it all out there because there are ears dying to listen to your music. So, you know, come on board. Let's do this. You can you can make a career out of this. It's great. I love it. Rubina, how about you? Your, your, the music, your music isn't precious. I, 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 I absolutely kind of ascribe to that, but not from a, it, certainly not from a, from a perspective of it being uh, lessening the quality of what people are producing because the music's amazing. But if you actually let go of the preciousness of it, you can, you can create more. You can, you can, if you treat your music like a widget, uh, once it's done, you can actually really make a business with it. Uh, so uh, you, you got to stop. <laughs> volume is important here, though. I think it's what we're saying is you get the volume out there and it's it's good stuff. It will open doors. And um, we're just here to help with that. Make your music, make it magic, then move on to the next thing. Then it can start to work for you. But the reverb isn't quite right. No, no, let it be. Let it be. <laughs> You can find out more about TrackStage at MyTrackStage.com. That's my, M-Y, track, T-R-A-C-K, stage, S-T-A-G-E, MyTrackStage.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at BobbyOsinski.com. Remember that you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at BobbyOsinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyoinnercircle.com, I'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. <laughs>